that all the time. You read Numbers, chapters, what was it, 22 and 23, 24 through 25, yeah. Did I lie? Was that not comical? So did anyone read it? Okay. Did I pretty much say it like it was? I thought that was pretty good, like for my, you know, reading it a handful of times and did you, did you see a little more humor in it? Or were you sad? I have both. Like, but you, gotta, you can't tell me God don't have a sense of humor. Like when he's making and allowing donkeys to start talking to people to get their attention, like I pray that none of my animals ever have to talk to me to get my attention, that the Lord's trying to talk to me. Sometimes I think he has my dog look at me in a certain way, and I'm like, is he going to say something? I'm hoping I can hear from the Lord and not have to have my dog talk to me. So we're going to go back and, and, and review the message to uh, Pergamos. And, and if you weren't here last week, I gave the history of that city. Um, we went over and, and discussed what the name meant. The name means um, mixed or objectionable marriage or an inappropriate marriage. And that has nothing to do whatsoever with um, race. It has everything to do with um, being spiritual. Um, really, it's, it's not being unequally yoked, which we're going to look at a little bit more um, this week. So picking up in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, John writes, And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Boy, that's a heck of a place to live. But I have a few things against you. Here's the but. You have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Thus, you have, also, you have some who in the same way hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, or else... I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Now, I don't think we're going to get to the white stone this week. But I tell you what, it is super awesome. I've loved studying that out. Um, but we've got some work to do between there. And how many of you guys are okay with really breaking down these letters? I really feel like these are the most important letters written um, that we could be reading and learning from in this day and time. Not that Galatians wasn't a beautiful thing and Philippians, and these are all relevant to our, to our walk today. But when the Lord's like giving the letters to the churches and he says blessed is anyone who reads this and he says anyone who has ears let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches and we were going like are we the church yes like this is very very uh, pertinent data and pertinent information and so i don't want to run through that i want to really make sure we can um, soak this in and absorb it amen and and learn from each one of those churches because if we're wise we will be able to look at our own selves and our own church and see that we are the church and say like, okay, I see some of this. Or we can look at that attaboy that the Lord, the Lord's basically going through a report card. And you'll see some things are like, these are good, this is good, but you've got some work to do here. So we can take some of those and go, oh yeah, we're doing pretty good in this area. And we can, oh yeah, I can recognize with that. We, we got some work to do over here. And that's what the Lord's wanting to do. He's wanting the churches to see like, hey, I'm getting ready to return. I'm getting ready to come. So get, get some stuff lined up. Let's get this stuff straightened out. You know, yay on this, keep doing that, but you need to improve here. Amen. So that's how we want to receive these letters. Um, not in a judgmental or not in a condemnation or not in a getting beat up or that's not my intent, but my intent is to bring the truths that Jesus is bringing to the churches so that we can glean from that. And we can be those who are bright shining, right? That, that he is able to say, well done, good and faithful servants. And he's giving those, um, admonishments to and there's no buts amen like, i don't want to hear but like steve you've done a great job but i just want to hear the lord say steve well done i'm proud of you like 
that was awesome. And we're going, no, it was awesome. There's no but. Yes. Amen, right? Like, I don't want to hear but. Do you want to hear but? No. So we got to look at the buts to see, is this, is this something that's in my life? Is this something that, that the Lord would, would point his finger on? Amen? So we're going to look at Balaam. We're going to look at that. Um, last week we went over the first point. The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, and we looked at how, hey, that gets your attention when he says the one with the sharp two words says something. He means it, amen? Um, we went and, where did page two go? There it is. <laughs> we covered uh, the admon- admonishment of um, the church that was holding fast to his name, which was good. But, point three is, but there is some who hold the teaching of Balaam. So you've seen in this church of Pergamos, there was a large group of people who the Lord was proud of. He's like, you done good? You're holding fast to my name, even in the midst of um, the city, this city, that is Satan's seat, and there's all kind of demonic influence, and there's all kind of idolatry. You've hold fast to my name, but, so now there's a but that's saying, but there's some who are following the ways of Balaam, and there's some who are following the ways of the Nicolaitans. So even in that group, this shows that there's good things going on in this church, but there's some, some stuff going on that's not so good. So we, I encourage you to read Numbers 22 through 25 and, and hear about Balaam, which Balaam was a Gentile prophet for hire. And that is something that is really important to me. Prophet for hire. He was a soothsayer from Mesopotamia. He was hired by King Balak of Moab to curse Israel. Now, God would not allow Balaam to curse Israel, and he kept blessing Israel. Eventually, he taught the Moabites, though, how to defeat Israel. That shows you, when you read the encounter that Balaam had with God, and then he still goes and teaches this king how to get him to stumble, that's a prophet for hire for sure. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. So you read, and you, see, you find in, in a few chapters later, I believe it's around the 30th chapter, um, what Balak <clears throat> did, and, and Balaam did, to teach Balak how to get the children of Israel, the sons of, and daughters of Israel, how to get them to fall. And in a nutshell, this is what, what Balak did. He talked to <clears throat> the king and had all these beautiful Moabite women come down and encamp down around where the children of Israel were and start having their festivals and, and uh, playing music. And he's like, get all these young women and not get the most beautiful. They were probably, you know, not dressed covered up as well as as most and they began just having their feasts worshiping their gods and in that practice there was lots of sexual stuff going on and the the children of israel were paying attention they started focusing in on that see satan doesn't do things a whole lot different today he just has more devices more opportunity but he's been watching history for a long time and those same things, this is, what, this is what the Spirit is saying to the churches, that there was, the church was getting misled in the same way that how Balaam had done it so many thousand years ago. So the, he, the, the Moabite women enticed the men of Israel to come and take part in the idolatrous feasts. Now that is what really got God's like, now, if they would have just said, hey, you guys want to come down here and, and hang out and we're going to worship some, uh, some other gods and, and worship some idols, they'd have been like, eh, no. We done, we've seen how that's worked out in the past. I don't think so. So Satan didn't do it that way, and, and he didn't tell, Balaam didn't tell Balak to, hey, just go set some other idols out and just have people worship other idols, and then the children of Israel come do that. He enticed them. Hey, have these women come out. Isn't, isn't that how the, the enemy does it? Oftentimes, where, where you end up isn't what he starts with. If that was the case, we would never end up there. So he brings something that's like, well, that looks good. Right? And, and I don't know about you. Like, this isn't brain surgery, and this isn't even, like, you don't need a whole lot of help with that. Any guy that's a guy is going to recognize a good-looking woman. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you really recognize that too long. <laughs> Amen? It's okay to be like, wow, she's beautiful. She's attractive. 
It's a whole other thing to go like, let that go any further. Amen? So, devil's no dummy. He's taking and using God-given beauty in a negative way. And it ends up in idolatrous feasts. So here's, here's what happened with the children of Israel. At first, this is my words, at first they didn't think about worshiping idols. They just wanted to have sex. Is that plain enough? Wow. That looks good. That, that was their, their intention. But then what had happened, started happening after that, they started having relationship more than just physical. In, in that culture, they would, this, was, this was practices of idolatry. They would do that. They would have sex and do different things like that, and it wasn't really relational. It was idolatry. But what happened is the natural happens. They started having relationship with them. And that's where problems started happening. Not saying that it was okay for them to have sex. Not at all. But this is what happens is, is it goes past that. They started marrying these women. They started going to their family Thanksgiving dinner. They started having the big lunches, the, the feast. And those, those cultures, those people had huge feasts when they worshipped um, sacrificed animals to idols. Then they would eat together because they just wiped out a bunch of animals. Now we need to eat. So they were totally participating in every form of that pagan culture, but it started with, well, they look good. They started getting involved in all kinds of really crazy pagan rituals. And it all started from, wow, they're attractive. Balaam was no, he tried to do everything he could to curse Israel, and there was nothing he can do. And this was the best thing he came up with. And this is what worked. Before long, the, the men of Israel, the children of Israel, were way over their head. How many have been there? Started off here, and before long, you get your eyes off the Lord, you start, you start going, wow, this is okay, this isn't a big deal, this is, just, this is just that. And then you get in over your head, and the children of Israel are way over their head. So much so, like they are in full-blown rebellion, full-blown idolatry, full-blown worshiping other gods and justifying it. And they're so far in over their head, and God is so displeased with this. Like, this wasn't a, now you guys, I've talked to you about this before. 24,000 people died in one day. 24,000 people. When God had his fill, he talked to Moses, and he said, go get, the, go get the priests and go get the leaders. And everyone that's been involved, every man that's been involved in this, take them out. We're going to purge this from amongst us. This ain't happening anymore. So much so, one of, one of the men took, was, was even bringing a Moabite woman into camp. They were bringing this now into camp, not just going out. And he was going to lay with her, and one of the um, priest's sons was so overwhelmed with the zeal of God that he went running in and ran a spear through both of them. God is not okay with it. You hear the verbs, the, the words that he says to those. He says, repent, therefore, or else. I am coming to you quickly. I will make war against them. This is verse 16 of chapter 2. I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Here's something that you, we need to really pay attention to, church. He's speaking to the church. But there's some of the church that have went astray. And what does he do now? They are not friends. He doesn't bring a sword to friends. He brings the sword to enemies. Now they're not on that side anymore. Are you hearing me? This once saved, always saved is not so. We don't see that biblically. We see that people can be part of the church and either repent, come back into alignment, or I am coming to deal with you with the sword of his mouth, which we've seen through last week. It is destruction. We've seen, we read those verses. Every time Jesus came with the sword of his mouth, it is not good. It's not, this is a little just spanking of correction. It's, 
you're smoked. That should get our attention. And you can go, well, Pastor Steve, I'm not having sex with prostitutes. No, I hope not. But pornography is not a whole lot different. There's not, a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of difference when you put someone else or something else in front of him. That's idolatry. I see people, they, they can make their kids idols. That's, well, I know I'm stepping on all kinds of stuff today. Anything that comes before you and the Lord, he is not pleased with. He's not pleased with it. There, there's one God. He says, put me first. You see, he can do that because when we were in a place of despair, of loss, headed to hell, which I don't know if you understand, but if you weren't with, you were headed there. The wages of sin is death. We were earned. We earned hell and death. And Jesus came in and stepped in. Like when I was sentenced, I I was looking at seven years and the Lord stepped in literally and said, I'm going to go do your service. I'm going to go do your time. I'm going to take, take your case. I'm going to take that. I'm going to go do your time. You can go free. That's, that's what God has done for every single one of us. Like every single one of us. Like we earned hell, the worst, and for eternity. And Jesus said, I'm going to take that case for you. I'm going I'm to be paying that fine. I'm going to be so that you can go free. Now, in that... We go, you're amazing. You are, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. Your love is amazing. Your mercy is amazing. Your grace is amazing. So we put him first and foremost in our life. Amen? And it is, can you imagine how disrespectful it is when we go and like chase after something so stupid that has nothing? And, and he's like, I have given everything so that you can be free. God the Father said, I've given my son, my best and sacrificed him for you. He's not like, oh, it's okay. Just go ahead, have it run amok. Do your thing. You said the prayer, we're good. Some in the church, and this is where it comes down to, some in that church of Pergamos had begun compromising. That's how it starts, right? A little compromise. They began compromising with the lax morals and the heathen customs of their day. Coming back to this church of Pergamos. We've seen all the, all the idolatry. We've seen all the stuff in last week that, that was going on there. So I'm coming out of um, Balaam and Balak, but it's, that's why he said, that's why, that's why Jesus is saying, some of you are following the ways of Balaam. Just begin compromising just little bits. Like, oh, letting the culture, hear me, church, letting the culture come into the church instead of the church going into the culture. The church defining, the church transforming, the the culture outside transforming the church instead of us transforming the culture outside the church. And like, I've never, hey, Richard, can you, can you turn up the darkness? Can you turn up the darkness? he, He can't do that. Somehow, we as the Christians think somehow well, this, Satan is just, it's just getting so dark. Like, like Satan somehow is turning up the darkness. It's getting so dark. What the heck are we doing? If it's getting dark, it's because we are turning down the light. Hey, Richard, can you turn down the lights? He didn't turn up the darkness. It's darker in here now, ain't it? Someone has turned down the light. Who could that be? We can't look outside and blame anything else for it being darker in this world. Go ahead and put them back. This is what we're supposed to do. We come in somewhere, and it starts getting lighter. Whoa, what's going on here? People start, what's going on? This is different. That's what the church is supposed to do to the culture. That, that darkness being turned up? No. It's the light coming down. How does that happen? 
it happens by compromise. You hear me? Compromising with what's going on outside. What's, what is going on in the world and the culture. Um, and it is, it is not good. But somehow we partake of these little things. We go, well, it's not that, it's not that big a deal. How many say that? It's not that big a deal. A little dimmer. Well, this isn't that big a deal. A little dimmer. Before long, and has the church done this? Yeah. The culture keeps getting more and more jacked up. So if we're using the, the world as our measurement of like, well, this isn't that bad. It just gradually is getting darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. Why? Because we're measuring ourselves by ourselves. We're measuring ourselves to a culture that is not godly, that does not have any value for the word, that has only value for self. You hearing me? It's all selfish. It's all self-promotion, self-motivated. You know, feed myself. Um, this feels good. If it feels good, do it. And the light's just going dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. So Jesus is warning the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen? Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches, church? The darkness isn't being turned up. The churches believe that. I, and, and I believed it, honestly. Like, And I said, man, it's getting darker. And I don't think that like my job's not to be light. But I got to take, take ownership of why it's getting darker in my community. Why is it getting darker? Here's what's happened. The church has so removed themselves from the world, we have allowed politics and, and people, the church has said for many years, and I'm so far from notes, praise the Lord, um, well, we shouldn't be involved in that. We should talk about politics. We shouldn't be involved in politics. That's the biggest lie of Satan. Who has the ability to control the culture? Though the, the, well, the politicians that make laws that, that align everyone else to be like, well, this is okay now. And then we don't get involved. Instead of us going like, man, we need to run for positions. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have any desire, which no one in their right mind really, at least if, you're a, if you have right motive, right? If you want to like get bought and paid for and like make all these deals with people and, and packs so that you, know, you can promote what they're wanting, then get into politics. Like it'll serve you well. But if you're a Christian and you have true desires, like no one in their right mind really wants to get in that mess. But if we don't, you see what we have. So we as Christians, we need to get involved in all kinds of avenues. We need to be on the school boards. We need to be involved in, in anywhere where there's decision-making happening. The light needs to be there, right? Otherwise, you're going to go, they're turning up the darkness again. Might as well talk about all that stuff, right? I mean... It's, it's, it's not complicated. This is what's happened. So we can't sit there and, and cry about it. What we got to do is start, start doing stuff about it. Like, go to the Board of Supervisors. Go to the Capitol. Start writing letters to your congressman. Like, you're thinking, well, what's the big deal? No, you have to do something. Run for office. What if, what if the people, like, what if godly people, you can look and you go, oh, this guy running, he's a conservative Christian. I'll vote for him. You better, I mean, I, yeah, I'm voting for him. He's against abortion. He's against human trafficking. He's for Israel. He's for biblical beliefs. He don't want to close churches. Got my vote. He understands there's good and evil, right? There's light and darkness. Or she, she's got my vote. I don't care. Like, I really don't. I don't care what sex you are. I don't care what race you are. It does not matter to me. Like, if Ben Carson would have made it, oh, he was who I was voting for. I'm like, oh, good Lord, let Ben Carson. Like, that guy's amazing. I, it doesn't matter to me. Like, you have Christian morals and principles. I'm voting for you. Amen? Like, we need to start getting involved and not, not be, like, sitting back and just, oh, it's getting bad out there. What are we going to do? Be light. Be light. Don't compromise with the culture. Don't compromise with the world. Don't get lax with your morals. 
Don't measure yourself by what you see the heathen and the pagans doing. When you're measuring yourself to heathen and pagans, it's like, well, I hope you look really good. How about you measure yourself to the word of God? Now how good you look? I mean, no one had to teach me that when I was totally messed up. I'd always look like, well, I'm not shooting this drug. I'm only smoking it. And then you start doing, well, I'm not as bad as them. Like I'm, so you justify, well, I'm still all right. Like, there's people worse. Well, good Lord, there's always somebody worse. I mean, I'm not as bad as the devil. I must be okay. We have the church doing that. Measuring the church, like by the standards of the world. We have higher standards. Much higher. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our natural thoughts. They're much higher. Amen? Remember the name of the church. Mixed marriage. Inappropriate marriage. This was spiritual. They were marrying the culture. They were marrying other gods, other influences, saying, I'm listening to that influence. God's saying, I don't want mixed marriages, church. I, want, I don't want inappropriate marriages. I don't want you married. I don't want you being, being bound or joined with anything else but me. Amen? The church members in Pergamos were joining in with the crowds who were worshiping false gods, committing sexual acts with the pagan priests and priestesses. And you go, man, how can that happen? Here's how it happens. Some start saying, well, well, those idols aren't nothing. I mean, I don't believe in them. They don't mean anything. Since they're not anything, since those idols don't mean anything, I can sit down there and eat with them. I can feast at the table. It's just food. Pretty soon, that starts wearing on you. Pretty soon, well, now that's, you know, well, hanging out with this prophetess or whoever, it's not that big a deal. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't do that. Well, it's not that big a deal. That's, that's what happened to this church. They could have been being like, hey, these idols don't mean nothing. We can participate in this. It's, it's not no big deal. And I know for a fact, like, might as well go there. Um, if you really begin to understand what's going on during Halloween, don't mess with it. I'm not, I can't make you unless you're going to hell, but it is not of the Lord. There's nothing, there's nothing glorifying life. There's nothing glorifying light. There's nothing glorifying God in it. It is a pagan, completely pagan. It is the highest day that witches and Wiccans and anything having to do anti-God is their highest holy day. We don't mess with it. And I'm going to show you some scriptures. It's not just for Halloween. This is that sitting down at the table, feasting with those who are not of your, like, it's, we, we want to commune with brothers and sisters. We fellowship with believers, not unbelievers. Now, we can go and be light in a dark world, but we don't fellowship you hear me? There's certain things like, no, like you, you can't do certain things. Why? Because you serve a God who's jealous. You serve a God who is different than all other gods. And he says, I want you to be separate. I don't want to share you with anybody. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 through 22. I'm not just going to give you my thoughts and opinions. I'm going to give you scripture and let the Holy Spirit talk to you about it. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from my tree. I speak to you as wise people. Who's he speaking to? The church. You then judge what I say. Is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there's one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of 
the one loaf. Look at the people of Israel. Are those who eat the sacrifices not partakers in the altar? What do I mean then? That food sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord, which is communion, and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? Church, there's a verse in Hebrews 13, chapter 2. It says, and you'll, you'll, you'll know, I, you don't have to go look it up. Some have entertained angels unaware. It says, when, you, when you've helped people, when you've done this, some have entertained angels unaware. I've never heard anyone say that, but the Holy Spirit said it to me when I stated this out. Some, what's an angel? It's a spirit being. There's ones that are subjected to God and ones that aren't. Some of us have entertained demons unaware. Listen to what this verse says. No, I, but verse 20 of, of chapter 10, or 1 Corinthians 10. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to become partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we not... We are not stronger than he, are we? Church, we need to be real careful whose table we sit at. You got to be real careful whose table you sit at. When you come to the communion table, that's what, what was happening. Is like in this culture, there was all kinds of, because meat was very, um, there's lots of sacrifices going on in these communities for I idols. So then they would take the meat. And then part of that sacrifice, they would have a feast. And they would open it up to people in the, in the city. Hey, you come to the table. We can eat. We're going to fellowship. And they would do their stuff. And people would just like, ah, it's not a big deal. You know, like, I know, like, I don't believe in those demons. I don't worship those idols. I know they're dead. And Paul's going like, no, there, it's, there's no, there's really nothing to that. It is just a false idol. But what you're not understanding is you're partnering with demons. So we can say, and I'm just going to pick on Halloween, we can say, because it's an easy one, <laughs> it's not a big deal. And I don't believe in that. I'm not, I'm not worshiping and cutting myself and putting pentagrams, and I'm not doing a seance, so I'm not really, you're, you're entertaining things unaware then. Doesn't mean that you're not doing that. You hear me? I hope you hear me. I, and I'm not mad at anybody. This, whether you do it or not, I'm still going to love you. Like, I've had many friends through the years, they're like, hey, what do you, what do you guys do? For? Like, ah, I don't mess with it. I don't, and I don't judge people for that. Like, if you do, whatever, that's on you. But I do, as your pastor, I want you to understand, you're opening yourself up. When you sit at the table, you now are participating. You are opening yourself up to that influence. It will manifest in different ways. It might not be like, all of a sudden I have a desire now to get involved in sorcery. It might be now you're struggling with an influence that's a lust. Now you're struggling with some stuff that's, you're like, what in the world? And you don't see it because it doesn't, it's not two plus two. Satan doesn't always manifest in areas that you start in. He will manifest in things that you didn't start in, but you opened the door. He can only come in doors that we open. He, does, he can't come on, and when doors are closed, he has no authority to come in and do anything with me. He, he cannot motivate me, but when I open doors, he can come and ride me. It's called oppression, and you feel driven to do things at times. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be the one that's driving us. Such a popular message today. We need, to be, we need to choose carefully whose table we want to sit at and who we want to fellowship with. You hear that word? What are you fellowshipping with? When you fellowship, you're giving approval. Do you not? Like, I don't hang out. I don't have my Thanksgiving meal with people. I don't. 
agree with. Like, I'm not going to have Thanksgiving with a bunch of junkies and be like shooting up at the fake Thanksgiving table and be like, it's all good. I'm not going to have fellowship with like witches at Thanksgiving and be like, yeah, it's fine, like pass the blood. It's nothing. It, I mean, I'm a Christian. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, we're, it's okay. We'll just, we'll do this, you know, sacrifice and it sounds stupid, right? Like, no way. That's what's happening. The children of Israel who watched God part waters, who like seen the most ridiculous miracles, were, it were drawn away multiple times into idolatry. Many times. A God that was feeding them supernaturally like manna from heaven. A God that was going before them during the day as a cloud. And a pillar of fire by night, always in their presence, visible. That was like, look at this. Look at this. It's not that big a deal. We want to have fellowship with what we are in agreement with. It doesn't mean we don't go out and feed homeless. It doesn't mean we don't go out and talk to witches. It doesn't mean we don't go out. I'll witness to them. I have no problem. Like, I go into those little shops in Amador City or Sutter Creek, and I'll go pray for them. I'm not like saying, hey, so what's the newest herb? Like, what's the newest little scent thing that we do for when we meditate? Like, I need some of that. Or I don't go like to like these spiritualist like massage people or weird stuff. That's like, this is not light. Like, this is like, you're like, what? It's just, when they got all the Buddhas and all the goofy stuff up in there, those doors are open. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they're praying. You don't know, no, thank you. That's not for me. I'll pray for you. I can love you. I don't have to be rude to them. I don't have to be a jerk. And Jesus is against you and blah. No. I'm going to love them. You know what? It's a great opportunity to share Jesus. A lot of people who are open to the spiritual stuff, they're looking. They, and they know there's a reality. And they come in contact with the Holy Spirit. They come in contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's going to smoke every other thing in front of them. They're going to go like, whoa, this God ain't no joke. That's why I'm not afraid to go talk to the witches. They can't curse me. I mean, they try. I, I guarantee, like, certain times, certain things, they have some power. But it is not going to be like, I'm getting, like, I'm possessed now. No, I got some stuff, like, maybe my back, maybe that's what that is. Maybe I got some pain I'm dealing with. Like, but I got to recognize that. And the Lord can say, hey, break that assignment. Speak life over that. Like, that is not going to have any power over me. So I'm not afraid of that stuff. But you need to be if you're opening yourself up. I don't open the door. But maybe we don't even understand how depth, and I, and I hope you hear me. This, I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not a legalistic person. Like, we are free. But Paul says, go read Romans 6 again. Do not, should we go back and sin again? By all means, no. Like, we don't participate in sin even though you're free. I'm free to go anywhere I want. But you don't use your freedom to give you an opportunity to sin. It's not like, I'm not scared. Like, I can do whatever I want. But I don't want to partake with demons. Amen? Verse point four. Whew. Man, we're like running out of time. Well, we're going to run through this because we'll be on to better things next week. He goes to the Nicolaitans. You also have some who agree with the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Well, what's that? Good question. They encouraged unrestrained indulgences, but without being involved in idolatry. So they were just like a little bit. Like, we, we are not for idolatry. I want nothing to do with idolatry. But they were just really pushing like, it's not that big a deal. This isn't that big a deal. This isn't that big a deal. Like, as long as you're not worshiping idols, it's okay. Feels good. Great. Do that. That's, a, that's the Nicolaitan. That's, that's really a lot of the church today predominant of, of the American church anymore is you don't hear pastors preaching the truth. You, you, hear pa you don't hear messages like this. You hear messages about 15 different ways that you could be more successful. 150 different ways that you could feel a heck of a lot better about yourself before you get out of here. Is that not the truth? It's very encouraging, which is good. I don't want to discourage nobody. 
But the main objective of most pastors anymore is to encourage people. I just want them to feel uplifted and encouraged. Well, I want you to feel uplifted and encouraged, but I also want you to know, like, if you're walking towards hell, I want you to know that. I don't want you to feel good about it. I want you to feel good, like, by going, like, dude, I almost stepped off the edge of the cliff. Thank you, Jesus. There's this whole other area over here that's full of freedom and power and grace and love and mercy and joy. Like, that's what I want. Amen? Because that's eternal. That's good stuff. Like, just like tickling your ears or saying, well, it's okay. It's, you know, well, what do you feel? And you hear, well, what do you feel? What? Ear pad, what do you feel? What's this say? I don't really care how you feel about it. Some, like, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. I, I'm that way. There's sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's not a big why? Because I've been around a bunch of different people in a culture that's like, it's not a big deal. But if I'm not in this, I go, wait a minute. This is a big deal. Amen? We are all susceptible to that. They encouraged unrestrained indulgences without being involved in idolatry, but they compromised, led to rebellion, and encouraging many of the sins that the Bible condemned. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, and then I'm going to read 16 to 21. I'm not just picking, you know, one passage. This is all through Scripture. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Oh, my bad, that was, that's 16. Verse 13, he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then verse 16, he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, hear this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligations to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. <clears throat> not all of these are like wicked, evil, like on the front, but jealousy is evil. You may see something start popping up in you, and it's jealousy. And, and jealousy is just as displeasing to God as sexual immorality. And you think the whole time, well, they got a problem over there. That guy, man, he's, he's all messed up. He's looking at pornography. But you got a jealous spirit, and you think you're all good. Quarreling, hostility, outbursts of anger. That's not of the Lord. Outbursts of anger. That's when I got to like, whew, kill that thing, Lord. Selfish ambition. There's that selfishness again. Dissension. Division. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties. And other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty plain, ain't it? Will not anyone, well, I'm a Christian, anyone living that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. You see, Jesus hated and hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans because it promoted a soft attitude towards sin. That's all it did. The Nicolaitans, they just, they just pushed and it just became real soft attitude about sin. That's ah, not a big deal. That is what the church has become. Ah, that's not a big deal. Ah, that's not a big deal. Well, you know, I don't want to offend people. Like, it's about getting a big crowd. It's about building a big building. It's about, and then you do that, and you well, I sure as heck can't preach the truth now. We got this huge payment. They might not put me on TV anymore. I might not get as many followers. 
hey, we do the same thing. I'm not going to speak the truth. My friends might not like that. Well, what will, what will my neighbor think? He hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. It discouraged holy living. Just how much Jesus hates it, here, here's, the, here's the proof of this, this statement. Just how much Jesus hates it is shown by his severity of his call to repentance. Is that not so? When you hear that call to repentance, it is repent or I am coming with the sword. That's severe. That shows you how much he really hates what was going on. And he hates it not just in them, church. He hates it in us. He said, unless they embrace the truth, and isn't that what we have to do with the truth? See, we all have an opportunity. We'll hear the truth, and I see it all the time. There's so many different times. Different folks get mad, and, I've, and I can recognize it because I do it. There's certain times someone brings the truth, and I'm just like, mm, I don't like that. I don't like it because it just stepped on my toe, man. It was like, that was a little sacred thing that I thought I had to deal with God with that was okay. Right? I've literally had someone tell, I've had people tell me this. Well, we made the Lord, we made it, we've worked it out. Really? I'm pretty sure he already worked it out. If your deal is different than what his word says, you didn't make a deal with him. You may have entertained angels unaware. Hello? Who have you been talking to? When, when you say you talk to the Lord and it's contrary to what his word says and he said it's okay, but his word says over and over, I hate it. And if you don't repent, I'm bringing the sword of my mouth. Um, I think you're wrong. I think I'm wrong. Anytime he puts his finger on it and I don't go, oh, you're right. I've got some heart issues. I have bought into something that's not true. Amen? And I'm not talking legalism. You're not going to hear me. Now, next week, you better show up in a, in a dress to your ankles, ladies, and you better not wear any makeup. And you, men, you better wear a three-piece suit or you're not really saved. No, I'm sorry. That's legalism, and that's wrong. God looks at our heart. He examines the heart. But the heart will manifest itself. I'm going to preach the word, and if the word says it, I agree with it. Even if it offends me, oftentimes it does. I get offended when he says, Steve, your attitude sucks right now. I'm like, oh, you're right. (laughs) Name that fruit, Steve. Oh. I don't get to go, but Lord, you don't understand. Like, do you know the people I've been dealing with all week? And do you, like, I was listening to all this music and it just, you know, like, I, it made me angry. Like, how do we know? Like, there's so many things that influence what we do and how we react and what, what we're opening our windows of heaven up to or not. Like, let, ask the Holy Spirit and be serious. Like, Lord, examine my heart. Lord, show me, Lord. Please show me. I don't want to hear, like, Repent or I'm bringing the sword. Actually, I want to hear that. I'd rather say, here, repent or I'm bringing the sword or depart from me. I never knew you. Unless they embrace the truth and change their attitude towards God's truth and holiness. Our attitude has to change towards that. Our attitude has to so change towards the truth of his word and how he views sins. We have to say, oh, Lord, you're right. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're so right. Instead of being angry and frustrated by the truth. Unless they change their attitude towards God's truth and holiness, he promised to fight against them with the sword of his mouth. (laughs) Here's where this part of the church was. They claimed to be part of the church and believed they were, but their compromising had put them on the same side as Jesus' enemies, whom he will come to destroy and put in the lake of fire with the devil and Antichrist. That's the truth. When, when we read last week, every time he said, I'm bringing the sword of my mouth, who was it for? 
It's for his enemies. It's, it's the same sword of the mouth that's going to take the Antichrist, put him in the pit. The same sword of his mouth that's going to take the Satan and put him in the pit. It's the same sword of his mouth that's going to come and wipe out everyone that's fighting against God. And you go, I'm not fighting against God. You're fighting against God if you're not on his side. You're fighting against him if you're not with him. Isn't that what Jesus said? You're either for us or against us. A house divided can't stand. Amen? You can't cast out the, the, the power of Satan with Satan. That might be why there's not a whole lot of deliverance. Next week, <laughs> this, is a good, this will be, should be an encouraging message. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna and a white stone and a new name. We're going to close up the message of Pergamos next week. Um, I encourage you to come. There is, there is a lot of awesome stuff in there. Aren't you glad that that's how the Lord, he will bring like, hey, there's this good, but, and then he comes back to those who overcome. To those who overcome, to those who hear my word, to those who hear my word and apply it, here's what I want to show you. Here's what I want to do for you. Amen? So I want to challenge you, church. You, you don't have to do it right now. I understand where we're at in time. I see everyone in here pretty much. You guys are pretty regular. I would encourage you even for a little while now or as you go out and you go home, when you go, how was church? Or what? And I don't want, oh, he did a good job. I don't care about that. I want you to focus on what did the Holy Spirit speak to you today? What did the Holy Spirit speak to you today? What is he talking to you about? And then apply it. Okay? Apply it. That is the seed that goes into good ground. It's the application. Our heart says, Lord, I receive that. Lord, if there's any way in me that's not encouraging or not right to you, that you're putting your finger on, please expose it and show me. Give me the strength to do something about it quickly. Amen? Amen? Let me pray a blessing over you. Lord, bless this church. We thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that I could sense even now there's not people mad and, and, and upset with me. Thank you. That's so awesome. Lord, I, I would be mad and upset with me, I think. Lord, I thank you that there's such a great tender heart of, of, the, of people of this church that want to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, they want to they hear, well done. And Lord, I believe you are saying well done. And Lord, you love us enough to, to, to expose things and show like, don't get involved in this. Stay out of that area. So, Lord, thank you for that, Lord, that you love us enough to protect us. So, Lord, I just pray blessing, Lord. I pray, God, that you keep them healthy. I pray, Lord, that, that the families that are represented here, Lord, keep them free from this um, virus. I pray, Lord, that you give them um, blessing, Lord. And as, as, they, as they begin to prosper spiritually, Lord, I ask that, Lord, as they begin to take steps into obedience spiritually, Lord, that there would be blessing financially. Lord, there's so many different ones this, that are going through stuff right now, Lord, that are struggling. I pray, Lord, um, I don't often do that, Lord, but I just felt you in that. Lord, as, 